You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. What's up, you guys? Hope that you are having a good day and week. We are in part three, the final part of a series we've been walking through for almost the last month called White washed tombs. This series is based out of a passage uh, in the book of Matthew when Jesus is talking to the religious elite, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's saying, man, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look really clean on the outside, but inside you're full of everything dead and detestable. Week one, we talked about hypocrisy. Week two, we talked about pride. If you haven't heard those, those are uh, episodes one and two right here on the podcast, so check those out. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about two things that are related to one another. They, they're very, very similar, but they also have some distinct differences. And the first concept or first idea that we're going to talk about is the idea of honesty. Over the last couple of weeks, when we did talk about hypocrisy and we talked about pride, those are things that we would all identify as things that we should avoid, right? That we, There's this common agreement uh, between all people that, that like you don't want to be prideful. You don't want to be hypocritical. Those are things uh, that you want to avoid on a regular basis. But when we think about honesty, we all identify that as something that we'd probably like to have as a part of our lives. And if we're being honest, we probably would want that to be a part of the lives of the people around us too. Like we want to be people of honesty. We would also want the people in our, in our spheres, in our friend groups, in our families to be people of honesty as well. And scripture is littered with passages about honesty. There are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of passages that speak to the idea of honesty the first passage I want to look at is in the book of Colossians. And right before this passage, the Apostle Paul is, is writing to this church and he lists all of these things that followers of Jesus should avoid. He talks about anger and he talks about lust and he talks about greed and, and just all of these different things. And then in verses 9 and 10, he goes on to say this. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. That's Colossians chapter three, verses nine and 10. So let's start at a foundational level this week and have the first point be simple. Do not lie. Do not lie. So even though this isn't some revolutionary statement, it is a statement from which many things flow from. Lying is something that we should avoid. Everyone, whether you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or not, would agree on that. But here's the thing. If we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, we have to understand that we're actually called away from being deceitful people. And this is why. is because you cannot truly love others while simultaneously lying to them. You cannot love others while simultaneously lying to them. Those things are in direct conflict with one another. So as we walk out this idea of whitewashed tombs, this is a huge part of it. Loving people externally, but lying to them internally causes conflict, not only in our relationships, but it causes conflict in our soul. And what we become is whitewashed tombs, people who look really good or say good things on the outside, but inside we are full full of everything dead and detestable. We're at conflict with ourselves and we are not called to be in conflict with ourselves, but be living in harmony both internally and externally. Ephesians chapter four, verse 25 says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. And that's the next point this week. One body. Way too often we miss this. While, while it's important that we identify the uniqueness and the individual beauty found in each person, we forget that we are truly one body. So if we're lying to each other, we're lying to ourselves. And the, the body, the body of believers cannot survive if we are lying to one another. 
And the body, like our own body, cannot survive if we are lying to one another. So we have to understand we are one body. And if we are going to live uh, dishonest lives, we are only being dishonest with ourselves. We have to be people who are deeply rooted in true, authentic honesty. But if we're honest, we have to understand this, is that honesty can lead to mess. If you were to look up honesty, the most basic definition would be, would always come back to, to one word, really, and it's truthfulness. Truthfulness. But truth spoken does not always feel like love spoken. We've all been there. Truth spoken does not always feel like love spoken. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So a question that I want to ask this week is, is our honesty seasoned? As we're speaking truth into the lives of people, can we also honestly say that that is that that truth is being delivered in grace? We are simultaneously called to truth and grace. If you grew up in the church, if you've been a part of the church for the last five years, you've heard that. The, the balance of truth and grace, truth and grace, truth and grace. The problem is, is that when we actually come to real life situations, we regular regularly speak in only truth or only grace and that can be really dangerous i think about a situation that i had i had a coworker, um and we would go out to to a local bar and we would do karaoke and he would drink way 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 too much and then he would go drive and i would just get so angry at him and i remember one night um, I slapped him in the chest. He'd gotten drunk and he always tried to do Irish goodbyes. So if you're not familiar with that, it's just like, you just like dip. You don't really say goodbye to anybody. You just like talk to people and all of a sudden you're just, you slipped away. And he would always do that. And he'd drive home inebriated. And I got so mad at him. I just remember yelling at him and just like saying things that were probably a lot of truth. Like you're going to get somebody killed. You're going to kill yourself. Like you might run into a business. You're going to ruin your life. Like all these things. I could just truth, truth, truth. Shockingly, that didn't really change any habits in his life. Me just yelling at him. But I remember a couple months later, we were having a meal together and we had a really good conversation. He just kind of like unloaded his life and the things that were going on with his parents and his family, his girlfriend, like everything in life. And he's like, this is kind of like why this last couple months I've been just drinking unhealthily. Like I've just been getting drunk and I'm just trying to forget and all these different things. And I remember sitting there and having a really, really good conversation with him and the Lord just being like, Hey, this is where you get the opportunity to have patience. This is the opportunity where you get to extend grace and you get to extend love. And and thankfully with the grace of God, I, I was able to do that. And lo and behold, the next night we, we go out, we go to karaoke and he's drinking a lot still and he comes up to me and he hands me the keys and he's just like hey i just appreciate like i know that you care about me i know that you care about me and i just that means a lot so here's my keys like would you help me get home and like that that was a massive turn for me to understand like this wasn't even really a spiritual conversation this wasn't me having grace and trying to like be jesus but in some simple ways by just like showing him that i genuinely cared about who he was physically we got to build relationship and to this day still will talk to me about spiritual things and outside of jesus i wouldn't have been able to do that but it just shows that if we're going to speak truth hard truths we better be rooted in grace. And I'm not, I'm not saying that hard truths don't have to be spoken, that like we should just avoid truth, but we just have to make sure that, that we're really discerning on the moments when we speak hard truths and the moments when we were heavy on grace. My hope is that we would become people who, who are able to speak really, really difficult truths while standing in divine grace. And that will only happen if we are rooted in Jesus.
So if you're going to speak hard truths towards people, you better make sure that Jesus is behind the words that you're speaking. One last quick thought on honesty and truth before we move into the second thing this week. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 26 is a very short verse. It says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Everyone enjoys a good kiss, right? Like we can all agree. We enjoy a good kiss. If it's expected. If it's wanted. Here's the thing. As a family of believers, we should live in the understanding that we are called to speak honestly and with hard truths at times as family. But if someone does not consider themselves a follower of Jesus and you offer an unseasoned answer that might even be true and it might even be honest, it is going to feel like a violation. It's going to feel like an unwanted kiss. It's going to feel like an attack. We have to make sure that the honest answers that we give people, the honest truths that we give people are seasoned well. I think that we have to be really slow to speak truth to the world, but really quick to offer it. And here's what I mean. I'm not going to yell truth at the world, but I'm going to keep pursuing it in my own life. I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow. And then I'm going to hold that truth with open hands and allow anyone and everyone to have access to how God is moving in me, the truth that God has spoken to me. As followers of Jesus, what I think we need to understand is that screaming at the world and telling them how bad they are isn't going to do anything. But becoming closer to Jesus ourselves and then offering that truth up with open hands and allowing people, like the things that we should be vocal about is letting people know that we're accessible and that Jesus is accessible. It's not about how much they're sinning. It's not not about all that stuff. It's about saying, hey, I'm, I'm a work in progress. And here's some things that I've learned. And if you're interested in that, man, I all the things that I've learned in my life, all the growth that I've had is yours too. Like we never are taught something. We are never uh, pruned. We are never grown for our own sake. It is for the people around us. And we need to be people who hold truth with open hands and are unashamed to speak it into the lives of people when they ask for it. See, honesty by itself will come up short as we pursue the hearts of others and as we pursue the heart of Jesus. So that brings us to our second concept this week, and that's this, integrity. So we've got honesty, we've got integrity. So as any definition of honesty includes truthfulness, any definition of integrity includes honesty. You can be honest without having integrity, but you cannot have integrity without being honest. You can be honest without having integrity, but you cannot be have integrity without being honest honest. Proverbs chapter 11, verse three, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful, the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The next point this week is duplicity is the enemy of integrity. Duplicity is the enemy of integrity. Integrity's actual definition is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles or moral uprightness. So an element of integrity is understanding that you cannot hold others to a standard that you are unwilling to hold yourself to. Duplicity is running rampant in our culture. It's, it's running rampant in our hearts that, that we are externally one person or in certain situations we're something, but in other situations or around other people we're, we're something else. Or vocally we say some things, but in our hearts we are saying something completely different. Duplicity is the enemy of true integrity. See, we can, we can too easily become people who shout about how the world should be while not spending any time cultivating our own hearts or cultivating our own souls and preparing the soil for Jesus to do a work in us so that we can be an impact on the people around us. As followers of Jesus, the call on our lives is, is to work diligent, diligently to make sure that 
our spiritual lives and our, and our physical lives line up. This is important. Like Spiritual integrity isn't perfection. It's an honest pursuit of standing firm on those moral principles and honestly admitting that, that without God, it's not possible. Spiritual integrity is recognizing who God wants us to be and recognizing that that is not possible unless we bring Jesus into the process. To wrap this up this week, I want to look at two different things that I would challenge each of us to assess in this season. And the first one would be this, internal integrity. This is kind of what we've already been talking about, but if if we want to avoid duplicity, if we want to avoid hypocrisy and pride and becoming people who are whitewashed tombs, all the things that we've been talking about this month, we have to look inward before we can be effective outward. We have to look inward before we can be effective outward. Nobody really knows the state of our internal integrity other than us and Jesus. Psalm chapter 139, verse 2. You know when I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from apar, afar. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Man, can I challenge us to camp in some self-reflection this week? Can we pray for God to reveal in us some areas that need growth? I mean, Psalm 139, like, go read it. Like, we talked about it last week. We're talking about it this week. It is, it is a, a, a verse or a passage that... The, the entire chapter just like over and over and over again. You could just sit in it and you could just camp in it for like months and months and months and just be like, I'm learning something new every single time I read through this. Just like read through Psalm chapter 139 every single day. But the thing that we talked about last week was when David's talking to God and he says like, search me and know me. Search me, and know me. Point out any wayward way within me and like guide me with your heart. Guide, guide me with your truth. Would that be a prayer for us as we're, we're seeking internal integrity? Like search me and know me, God. Like point out any wayward way within me. That's so important that we do some internal assessment. And the second thing is this external integrity. So we have internal integrity and external integrity. And external integrity will be a result of our internal integrity every time. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. Watch out for false prophets. This is Jesus speaking. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Right, we want to be people who have external hang- external integrity. We want to be people who produce good fruit. And that cannot happen if we are two-faced. That cannot happen if we're duplicitous. That cannot happen if we're dishonest with others, and it cannot happen... If we are dishonest with ourselves. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking about the tithe that people are giving to him and his fellow disciples for their ministry. And he, he recognizes that there's these incredible moves of God that are happening as he's planting churches all over the known world. People are coming to know Jesus. People that he speaks to are then going to plant churches. He's like writing to churches that he's actually never met the people because through some roundabout way, he helped plant a church through his spiritual formation and discipline. Like There's just these incredible things that are happening all over the New Testament with Paul. In in Second Corinthians chapter eight, he he understands that people are are giving their money to him and the disciples to to further their ministry, and he wants to make something really clear. And in in verse twenty one, it says, "For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. We are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord." But he says this first. Our first goal is to first and foremost have integrity with God. 
but that will result in us having an external integrity that others can see. He wanted people around him to know that he had integrity with what he'd been given, not just their time, not just their relationship, but also with their physical finances, like this tangible thing. He wanted his external integrity to be seen because he knew that if he only had internal integrity, that if if external integrity wasn't a part of his life, that people would turn away from supporting and in, in turn might turn away from Jesus. Paul says, we're, we're, we're taking pains. Like, we're taking pains to do what is right. It's going to be hard to have honesty. It's going to be hard to have integrity. It's going to be painful at times. And nobody said that it was going to be easy, but I promise it will be worth it every single time if we become people of integrity. And if other people can see good fruit coming from the tree that is our life, that's that's the whole goal. That that people would be known, that they would know Jesus, and then that we would make Jesus known together. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.